Welcome to Making Games in association with the University of Derby and Finnebrogues Naked Bacon, the biggest revolution to happen to British breakfast in a generation. Now, today's guest on Making Gains is the 2018 World's Strongest Disabled Man. He has seated deadlifted 550 kilograms. It is the unicorn beast. Martin Ty, welcome to Making Gains, sir. Hey. Wait, first of all, I can see a sort of Mr. T type necklace hanging around your beard. What, what was that all about? I like it. Well, it's my uh, force hammer. No, oh, <laughs> nice. Nice, nice, nice. Back to my Viking roots. <laughs> mate, you look like a proper Viking, to be fair. Um, mate, can we talk about that 550 kilo seated deadlift? Because that is, yeah. I mean, it's mythical. How did you actually start training for that specific lift? Uh, so, to be honest, it kind of happened by accident. Um, I went to my first strongman competition, what well, was probably four, four and a bit years ago now. And one of the events was seated deadlift. It's the first time they ever did it in the disabled strongman. Um, no one was too sure how it was going to work and such like. And um, at the time, I think we were doing like 300 kilos for reps. Um, the nearest bloke to me was about, uh, I think he got about 14 and I pulled out about 27. Um, and I was like, well, <laughs> you know, there's obviously something here. Um, so that, that's when I really started training for it. And, uh, and obviously, you know, being around Strongman, I saw Eddie Hall pull 500 and I was like, I want some of that. Um, you know, I knew, I knew I was there or thereabouts around the 500. Um, it was about applying myself and, and getting the right training in. Um, and then luckily enough, I got to pull 501 in front of Eddie and then I got to pull 550 in front of Eddie, which was, uh, yeah, it was pretty surreal and cool. So when you actually aim for the 550, how do you actually taper or periodize your training or what's your approach to it? Um, so my training, I don't actually do an awful lot of deadlift training. Um, you know, the, the, the lift itself, I, I like to work... I like to do big back sessions, um, big heavy back sessions uh, and plenty of them. But you've also got to throw in all your other training because at the end of the day, you know, it's not just that event at a competition. Um, so, you know, it is about balancing balancing your sessions and pinpointing which body parts you want to work more than others. And how many weeks out did you kind of have your main block of training to peak for that? Uh, so what I peaked probably about a week before I went out there, went on to some rest and recovery, um, very light work before I got out there and did, did some light work while I was out there as well. Just, you know, just keep the body moving, making sure all the joints are good. Uh, the last thing I want to do is tip up and pull a world record, but get injured in the, in the, at the same time. I've got another, you know, that's only one part of the competition for me. I was speaking to, I mean, this, Making Gains podcast comes in association with the University of Derby. I was speaking to one of the guys there who work at Strength and Conditioning. And when I explained to him what you do, he said his first response was, well, your lower back erectors must be as thick as ropes. I mean, <laughs> you're good. You're almost good morning the bar up. What, what is the actual technique? Yeah. It's tough to see when you're looking at it. So, so yeah, it's, it's quite a weird one. And, um, 
I'm, I'm probably one of the few experts in it because no one else has done what I've done. Um, yeah. And so, so it is a little bit awkward and, and I've seen people pull it wrong and I've seen, you know, that if it's not done correctly, it, you know, even to look at it, it looks quite dangerous. Um, so, you know, the slightest mistake on it, you're going to pull your back out so so quick. Um, but for me, I kind of perfected it over low weights and repetition, just going through the movement, even if it's just the bar, you know, just to get that, that, that position and movement right. Um, so I'm not I'm not loading my, my back up when I'm fully extended over. You know, I really want to pull that bar in to get it to that upright position as I can, because that's the easiest then to, to, to pop the bar. If I were to ask guys how to bench, most people would know, grip the bar, let's say rip it apart, engage your lats, etc. What's the actual process for trying to do what you do, even if it is a relatively lightweight? So, uh, pray. <laughs> 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 no, so, yeah, it's, um, it's all about engaging your core, really. You, you engaging your core and then um, working the shoulders. Um, so I can I can leave the bar up, but that might not be called a, a good lift because my shoulders are still very low. So as I'm coming forward, as I'm moving back, sorry, with the bar, I'm engaging my core, my lower back, popping up, bringing the shoulders high to get the correct movement in. And how does it feel when you've got that amount of weight in your hands? I know obviously you're relatively accustomed to it, but it may as because you're holding it at the end, especially when I think you're 501, you hold it and sort of look around. But <laughs> so you've got euphoria, but at that moment there, what's actually going through your forearms and your grip and everything? Um, so it's, I don't really know how to explain it, to be honest. It's a bit of a weird one, you know. Um, I always kind of forget after the event, how it felt. Um, I think because the adrenaline and everything, you know, you're pumped up and, and, and you're that much, you're focused on the event. Um, it, yeah, it's just an adrenaline rush. But it, it it is a lot of pressure, but your body feels it when you're locked out and, and that's, if anything, that's your rest time. Although you are holding the weight, you're not doing it under any bend or anything like that so it's more of a natural um but yeah it's it's incredible incredible pressure um but but yeah <laughs> is it scary because the stuff i've seen with your missus you, you're getting yourself strapped in and then your missus gives you the salt which i think is genius because a lot of guys will smell salts then put their wraps on but probably maybe 40 seconds has passed so yeah um, so is it have, did you rehearse that yeah, so so basically, I've got a lot of my movement from powerlifting, really. Um, you know, before before I got into strongman, I did the Invictus Games, um, where where I really focused on my powerlifting side of it. And you know, one of our coaches trains with the GB guys. Um, I know a few of the GB guys as well, um, which which gave me some pointers and stuff. And it, it, it is a key thing, you know. I've seen so many people go up to the bar, sniff salts, and then put wraps on. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, by the time you get to it, the salts have done nothing. Um, you you want those salts just as close as you can lift. Yeah. And then when you actually stand up with it or you sit up with it, that 
it's one thing able body deadlifting where you're extending your knees you're you're moving all parts of your body it's not on one area it must be pretty frightening lifting that off the ground and almost waiting for that have i actually moved this or is it still stuck to the floor yeah it you know it it is um and touch wood i've i've never done too much of a bad lift so i've not made too many mistakes um of course i've failed lifts everyone fails lifts um but but the lifts i've done have been correctly so they've been as safe as i can make them um, my, my issue is when I see other people lifting and, and not lifting correctly and they started bringing in seated deadlift to other competitions now which hasn't ha- isn't governed properly okay um, so not to say the, the competition is not governed properly the lift itself because no, no you know there's, there's nobody around to, to say what's a good lift or not right, okay. apart from you know our two founders Magnus Fer Magnuson. Um, you know, at the end of the day, here's a final say on what's a good lift. And I see people posting videos where they are just throwing crazy weight on. And, you know, when I look at it, I'm, I'm cringing. I'm like, oh, my God, he, you know, he's going to end up in, in a lot of pain because of this. Okay. And, mate, I'm pumped to say 550 isn't where it's ending for you. You're going for the big... Oh, no. Yeah, man. Um, so, so the biggest thing to come out of the Arnold really is um, when when I was holding the bar, and um, so I got it up. I was holding it, and I had a little moment to myself saying, "There's more in there." Ooh. <laughs> and I was kind of gutted that I didn't even do more. <laughs> but, right? but obviously, with, with yeah, um, hopefully, within time, there'll be some big lifts going up soon. And so how are you going to prepare for that? Are you going to aim for a particular event that you're going to pull it out or are you just going to see how your body responds? What's the plan? Um, so at the moment, it's a little bit difficult because of Corona and all the restrictions. So we're not too sure when events are going to be and even what the events will be. Um, they managed to do one in December, World Strongest Man, but it was a virtual one. I decided not to take part. Okay. Um, couldn't risk myself, you know. I've got a blasting tree to my lungs, which gives me a lot of respiratory problems. So, with Corona and stuff, it just wasn't worth me taking the risk. I had back surgery last year as well. Oh, um, okay. So, so yeah. Hopefully, um, you know, I always aim to do the big lifts, at the bigger competitions. Um, but at the moment, we're still waiting out to find exactly what is going to be what and where where we're going to be allowed to travel to. So I'd love to say you're the reigning world record holder, but I think it was a month ago Tobias pulled 555. Did you know yes. that was an attempt? Did you know that was going to be happening? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he's posted a lot of videos um, of, him, of him lifting and stuff. I knew that he was going to be close to it. Um, so, so, yeah. And then when he got it, what did that do to you? Because for some people it makes them go, oh. because, I mean, Jonathan Edwards, for example, in the triple champ, I remember when I called Teddy Tamgo got so close to his world record that stood since 1995, the cameras pushed in on his face and Jonathan Edwards actually wiped the sweat off his brow. And he went 25 years on and he still just wants that title. So how, how did you feel when it actually went, or was it a case of, right, bit between the teeth, 600, here we flipping go, lads? 
No, I sat in the corner and cried for about two hours. Yeah, you know, um, I was, it's not easy to let your record go, but it's kind of out of your hand. Um, uh, and I do believe that it's going to make me train that little bit harder in the gym to hit those bigger weights. Um, I, you know, I've got full confidence in me that I can go a hell of a lot heavier. Um, so, so yeah, if, if anything, it's been a good thing and it will give me the kick that I need to to push on. I met you at the UK Invictus Trials a couple of years ago now. And the thing that I love most about being involved in events like that is the stories people have got to bring them to where they're at now. And could you tell us what, what happened to you to ultimately change your life? Because I know you were a commander in a, in a truck and then the unimaginable happened. Yeah, so I was in the uh, British Army back in 2009 on the 18th of August. We were deployed out in Afghanistan to the capital, Kabul. Um, we were on a routine vehicle patrol. And along with patrol, um, a suicide bomber drove into my vehicle and detonated himself. Um, which, you know, wasn't 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 my best day, let's say. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, I was in, I was in a bad way for a long time. Um, we weren't too sure if I was going to pull through or not. Um, we got got it. I was, I was in a coma for a while, and 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 yeah, rehab, rehab was hard. Um, you know, it took me the best part of three years to to get to a place where I was physically and mentally okay with myself. If I, if I met you, let's say 2008, what kind of guy would I be speaking to? Were you as big as you are now? You, were you a happy guy? What were you like? Uh, 2008, yeah. Um, I was half what I am now. <laughs> um, Weight-wise, easy. Um, and yeah, I was a happy guy, but um, I was a, a jabber lad. Um, I would say a bit of a know-it-all, even though I didn't know it all. I just, you know, had the good game. Um, and if anything, actually getting blown up, I believe, has made me uh, a better person. Okay. Do you actually remember the moment that it happened, or is it? Have you just been told that in retrospect? Yeah. It's uh, so it's crazy. I've got no recollection recollection of what happened at all, um, but. Afterwards, I was allowed to see the report and photos, and I've you know strung together this kind of image in my head of what happened. How, how do you come to terms with that? Because it, it's obviously you're speaking about it in a very matter-of-fact way, but I just can't imagine how difficult that is. Yeah, I'm not going to. I won't lie to you. It was hard. Um, I lost an American sitting behind me. My driver broke his back. And there was a lot more injuries as well outside of the convoy. Um, so to start with, you know, I had uh, diagnosed with PTSD. I had survivor's guilt, and I did. I did struggle struggle for a long time. It, it was a it was a hard it was a hard time back then to to get my head around it. And I'd say for the first couple of years, I didn't want to get my head around it. I didn't want to face it I just wanted to be miserable and you know I, I was lucky that at, at the time of probably needing it the most I had a charity come along that's designed to give in injured servicemen events training 
and got me into sport. And I think, you know, that that is what has saved me and made me who I am today. Great. So thank you for sharing that. In terms of therapy, how often were you having that? In, in terms of what, sorry? In terms of so mental therapy, so in terms of trying to recover from the PTSD. So just it's it's one thing if you've suffered bereavement. It's one thing if you're going through a bout of depression through life. But what you went through is the most unthinkable thing. And so I'm just curious to know what structure was put in place that's got you to where you are. Yeah, you know, um, so it was uh, after my initial medical cares were looked at and I was deemed to okay, you get you get moved on to a rehabilitation centre, which was at the time Headley Court. Okay. And that's when I started therapy. They picked up pretty much straight away that, that something wasn't right. Um, and I was doing quite intense therapy. And I'd probably say at least a couple of times a week, um, well, I was doing seeing a, a psychiatrist, psychologist. Uh, I was doing relaxation therapy. You know, there was a lot of things going on. Um, but for me, this the, the the therapy didn't really help that much, to be honest. Um, my issue was we. I found myself walking away from these things, feeling more wound up than then in a positive light because the issue was uh, I couldn't remember so it doesn't matter how many people tell me that I would have done what I I was trained to do without me remembering I'm not going to remember so it was really hard to you know to just get my head around that and it, it was sport you know it, it was sport that, that pulled me out of it you know that's genuinely one of the sides of sport that I mean it I worked at the Paralympic Games, seeing yourself at the UK Invictus Trials. You'd think on the face of it, seeing a man with no legs and one arm doing indoor rowing, you'd think, what, why is he doing that to himself? Look on people's faces when they finish it. Mate, it's just, it, it actually, it humbled me. And it just, and the thing that humbled me most of all was it made me think to myself, you need to have a long, hard look in the mirror because the stuff I complain about, I thought I was ashamed of the stuff that goes through <laughs> my head. And these guys were there. And the banter, mate, by the way, the banter was brutal. This is like, they were going to be on the microphone, say this to so-and-so that I can't, I just can't say it. I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... But that's, you know, it's an incredibly um, important part of, of the recovery, I reckon, banter is. And, um, you know, if I think the best thing you can do, you know, is take the mickey out of yourself and take the mickey out of other people. Um, as long as it's, as long as it's okay with the other person, don't just bump into someone down the street and do it because it might not work so well. Um, but you know, for us being being a part of the military family, um, banter is just you know before we were injured, it was flying around. It doesn't stop just because we were injured. Um, and it, and if anything, you know, for someone to pull you up once or twice a day, yeah, you know, it, it 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 lifts you. Yeah, it's the it's actually the side of the Invictus Games. I seriously hope it goes ahead in whatever guys, because it's meant to be in the Hague this year. Um, yeah. And obviously we know what's going on with coronavirus, but a part of me thinks, well, 
whole premise of keeping everyone safe is one thing, but for the guys competing, the guys and the girls competing, it ultimately is something to aim for. That's a thing that's going to help get people through months, weeks, years. And so I think oh, it's got to happen. It would, it would be incredible if it did. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. Um, I've been speaking to some of the Danish athletes recently. Um, and, you know, they're, you know, they're praying that it goes ahead. And, and I do because, you know, although I walked away with a load of medals, that's not, that wasn't my high, high point of the Games. My high point was being there, experiencing it and having that camaraderie and and, you know, just doing it all as, let's say, normal. Yeah, mate. Yeah. How much do you weigh, by the way? <laughs> so, uh, at the moment, I'm weighing about 137 kilos. And this is the man I'm talking to who is playing, was it wheelchair basketball at 137 kilos? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very good over short distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Endurance wasn't my thing. And if you would have seen me after doing rowing, Jesus, I was a mess. <laughs> but you mentioned your lungs. How, how bad are your lungs? Uh, so, well, so basically, um, because we had an implosion inside the vehicle, um, there's hairline scarring all, all down my lungs. So the issue is that they don't actually fill to 100% anymore. Uh, I think the last time I checked, we were quite good. We were about 65 to 70%. They, they, they were, we inflate to. Um, but yeah, it does doing any sort of CV work. It does. It's a bit, a little bit harder. Um, but but you find find your way around it. And the metal work you've got in your knees does yeah. does that mean you can push at all in the floor when you're doing a seated deadlift, or is it purely just upper torso? Um, well, I probably could, but I don't. Um, you, you don't. It's not needed in the seated deadlift. Any sort of leg drive. In fact, if you when I did the 550, because I was straining so much, my legs came off the floor. Um, so they were dangling in the air. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so so there's no there's no leg drive needed in that lift. Okay. And in terms of your actual bone density, have you ever had it measured? Because if I were to try and seated deadlift 250, I think my vertebrae would just crumble. I, I, I did actually a few years back and uh, I can't remember what it was, but the guy said, he was like, I've never seen this before. <laughs> and, and, and the same with muscle mass as well, um, because, you know, I'm a strong man, which means I've got a belly, which, which isn't me, doesn't mean you look strong. I'm with you. Um, and then when he did the muscle mass, he was like, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, mate. But this is one thirty-eight. When you don't have that much muscle mass on your legs, yeah, yeah. So my my legs are pretty skinny. Well, compared to the rest of me, they are. Which means they're just like normal legs, to be honest with you, mate. <laughs> 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 well, in terms of, you mentioned powerlifting, which in yeah. terms of para powerlifting is bench press. What what do you bench? Uh, so my PB at the moment is about two hundred and twenty kilos. Um, that was a that was a while back. Um, it would have. I, I actually got offered a, a, a contract with GB. Um, but yeah, um, which I would have loved to take up. But it would have mean I wouldn't be allowed to do other sports. Um, 
which at that time, you know, I'm never going to be uh, a para gold medalist. If you look at the guys in my classification that are doing it, they're, without being rude, they look like footballs. <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking very heavy set guys. Um, and I, I just wasn't prepared to do that to my body. Um, in, in fact, the, the world record guy suddenly um, passed away. Yeah, yeah, passed away. Um, and, and, you know, that wasn't something that I wanted to, to do to myself. 